0: Welcome back everyone, second episode for 2016 and a milestone episode Jared. Mm. it's actually our 50th, fuck, who would have thought, who would have thought,
1: I actually read somewhere the other day that most podcasts don't make it past 6, so we're
0: flying, <laughs> yeah no but that's because we were just <laughs> blindly <laughs> tuning out episodes to try and get past 6, yeah, that, that was our mantra but what we was did just, it. Yeah, you know, we, we we've we've uh, we've gone past the average podcast. Technically, Jared, there's more than fifty. Because uh in our early heyday where we didn't have a lot of <laughs> storage room I actually had to delete a couple. Right. Uh they were not yeah, they were not well known movies, so we were comfortable with that. But according to our iTunes setup, when this episode comes out it'll be fifty. So Big round of applause for that. Yeah, great. Yeah, really happy with that. (coughs) I'm surprised anyone. Yeah, everybody else is going, fuck, 50, Jesus. (laughs) All right, today we're going to cover The Thing, 1982's John Carpenter sci-fi thriller. But before we get to that, what have you been watching in the last week? Uh, A
1: small collection, all doco-related. Okay. I actually watched the two... um, the two Nick Broomfield docos that he did on...
0: Uh, Are yeah. they uh, Interestingly, I watched one of those as well. Yeah. The um, Life of Death of a yeah. Serial Killer. I
1: watched the first one, the the selling of the serial killer. What's the first one like? Because... Um, I think I enjoyed that one more.
0: Cause the it first was more, one?
1: Yeah, it was more focused um, around... Uh, she was barely in that one. Yeah. It was more focused around those two... The lawyer and the woman that adopted her, that legally adopted her. Yeah. Who both seemed to just be in it for the catch.
0: Yeah. Which he touched on very briefly in the other one. He did. He touched on that in the, in the second one. I, I must admit I had to laugh when he reacquainted himself with the lawyer and his first yeah. comment was, fuck, fuck you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. he was. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was an odd character, that lawyer. My personal take on the one that I watched, which was the life or death one, it just was boring. Like she, she was such a lunatic. She was a lunatic. That yeah. One second she'd be fine, the next second she'd be flying off the handle, and there yeah. was too much of that.
1: Yeah. Look, it's the whole story's Sad for mine because I think she did a lot of sh- terrible shit to people, but she'd also been treated like a piece of shit her whole life. Yeah. The yeah. Whole, the whole story is just. Just the pits.
0: Yeah, really. exactly. Um, like, like I, I felt, I kind of, in a way, which is surprising for these, yeah, you know, kill, serial killers and stuff like that, I just felt,
1: I felt sorry for her. I feel bad for her, yeah, because there's a lot of stuff that in her life that happened to, that d- she that put up does, with a whole lot of shit that nobody would ever fucking wish upon their worst enemy. No, but that but does not, does not fucking, then yeah. She then did
0: destroy the lives of others and yeah. families and, and that, that's... That's despicable
1: as well. Um so yeah, it's all it's all very sad. I've started to really started to really like Nick Broomfield's stuff. I never used to get into it much, but He's a little bit like um Louis Thoreau. <laughs> well that's the thing. Louis Thoreau sort of came in the wake of Broomfield. Yeah. So that sort of style is something that I quite enjoy now. And um at first I thought this bloke's fucking annoying. Like, yeah,
0: he's a bumbling fool. He yeah. comes in with his camera on one arm and his fucking mic on the yeah, other. But it's
1: very calculated and the results Generally are pretty good So I've started to Kind of enjoy um, His stuff And you know On the back of that Just to sort of lift My spirits a bit I watched Making a Murderer um, Shit <laughs> I haven't finished it yet
0: Yeah That's not mate, That's not lifting Your spirits too much Either is it
1: Look it's totally Engrossing oh, like Incredibly It's really engrossing. engrossing The way that they follow it Like through the trial And everything They give you a bit of backstory on the first case And then You're basically following The second case The whole way through Yeah um, And And I got a bit of a problem with it because I, I'm really enjoying it, but as his classic doco fashion, they've they've left out some
0: shit that makes yeah. it look bad for for
1: Stephen Avery.
0: Agreed. I, I did some quick checking when you mentioned that. Exactly. Everything that was listed, if it's if it's legit, if it's exactly that stuff was left out, and it's legitimate. It basically paints the entire documentary as null and void. It wouldn't have even yeah. mattered.
1: Yeah, because there's some pretty incriminating shit uh, yeah. for the second case that he copped. I think the point of it is still there, that this guy got railroaded by the legal system, and who knows, if he hadn't have gone to jail, he might not have had screws loose, but I'm pretty well convinced that he did the second one. Um, I don't think that means... I think there's still some pretty shady shit that went on in the second one, but... As they say you don 't let the truth get in the way of a good story because and that's what's if, happened if yeah. any of this was dropped if any of these things were dropped during the series, it would have just it would have just twisted the narrative yeah and the bad guys wouldn't have necessarily been the bad guys And yeah. Avery who's not really our hero i hesitate to use that word but he's our sort of our centerpiece we're supposed to feel sorry for him you drop a couple of these things that they didn't drop in the series and you don't one, feel one sorry thing
0: for. I will give them credit for is at no stage did they not show us his lifestyle so because they were close and embedded with his family we saw that lifestyle and yeah. we understood that he wasn't exactly fucking Mr. Perfect either mm so so we got that we got the, the idea of it did the job that it was watch it and make you make a decision on what you think yeah it is i'm with you i'm Finished it thinking, yeah, he probably did it. But there was enough shit police work that there were bigger questions to be asked as well. Yeah, totally. I think
1: um, when you mentioned there was enough shit that he probably shouldn't have been convicted, I think that's where the stuff that wasn't shown in the series comes in. Yeah, would have done the job, It probably suggests that's
0: why he was convicted. Because I knew nothing of it. When I finished the 10 episodes, I still said, any any jury must convict on beyond reasonable doubt, and there was no way that the case against him in the documentary was beyond reasonable doubt. Yeah. But then you hear the, the extras, stuff that was perhaps removed, you realise that's your, that's your beyond that's reasonable your, doubt. Yeah, that's where that's it where comes That's where you in. get it, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty... Pretty seedy sort of setup, but it was great. It was good to see another one like that. People have been calling it, you know, serial on on TV. I can't
0: wait. I want to see them produce another one if they can. Yeah, yeah, well, it's great. And, I
1: mean, I really enjoyed the the serial podcast, but it had a few inconsistencies here and there as well. I think it was probably more complete than this one was. I don't think it sort of left as much
0: out. Because remember, Jared, um, this is the most, I guess, the most cynical thing about these docos which I mean, I love a good docker, mm. love it, but it's formula, it's script. It it's yeah. it, they are doing exactly what a movie would do, and that is you got to have heroes, you got to have villains, yeah, exactly. You got to have a twists, you got to have turns. It's a narrative, and to make these things happen, they then t- have to tweak the what they have. Yeah, and you got to take and you got to
1: take everything you see in this with it with, a under, grain, with yeah. an understanding that they're showing a viewpoint and trying to. Tell you a story and trying to give you your your bad guys and your good guys. The thing that I dislike about it is yeah, it raises some issues with the justice system, but it heightens this sort of mistrust of, of police everywhere. Yeah. Just because these fuckwits in the DOCO did a did a bad job. Yeah. And and in the first case convicted a man that they seemingly knew probably wasn't wasn't guilty. So, you know, it makes it makes police in general look bad. And that's that's probably not fair. Yeah, yeah. Um. But it is. I mean, it's it's. There's no doubt. It's really engrossing.
0: Yeah.
1: Any other? Uh, I caught up on some more episodes of The Deep. I mentioned that last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Um. Really enjoying it. Enjoying? It, yeah. Definitely enjoying. it. It's animated. It. Yeah. It's animated. Yeah. Um. But it's it's really good fun. It's quite of kind of an adventure. You can tell it's in that mode. Uh, you can tell it's from a guy who grew up on the same sort of stuff that we grew up on.
0: Yeah,
1: um, watching those sort of movies and that sort of thing, and and you just get that real sort of fun sense of adventure from it. So I'm really enjoying that one.
0: Great. Speaking of Nick Broomfield, I also watched Piggy and Tupac. Mm. On on second viewing, it's actually not that interesting. Yeah, he seems to be chasing that one. He's chasing nothing. Alone. Like there is yeah. nobody gives decent um, information. No one gives anything of note. It, the cop who who is saying that there's a conspiracy and is that the, the police the m- mustache. Yeah, <laughs> the, the police were involved. Yeah. His stuff is compelling, but it's got no. There's no evidence. There's, there's nothing there's backing nothing it up solid. except him. Yeah, really. So, and the fact that he got pushed off a case, he got pushed off the case. Yeah. Which maybe that was the reason behind it, but it's 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 just it seems to be a a doco in need of something decent. He needed to come across something during it, and he doesn't. He just treads the same sort of line as, as what we know about the two-pack biggie situation. So it wasn't – it's not one of his better ones, put it that way. Yeah. The one that I watched a while back, I think, was one of his best, his most polished, was that Grim Sleeper one. Yeah, I saw that. That was good, and it was it, it was highly polished. You can see it, it's it's a he's he's got to a point where you know, it's 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 really well made. Because the beginning two pack and the curtain, curtain Courtney, he did curtain Courtney, didn't yeah. he? That they have a real sort of rough, raw sort of style about him. Uh, I also watched the gift, which was the Joel Edgerton, written, produced, directed, and starring. Mm. It's got a sort of a fatal attraction sort of vibe. Um, basically, he kind of ingratiates himself into this couple's life mm. because he went to school with the bloke. Yep. But it then goes off on not on a tangent, but just it it blurs the line into who's really the villain here. Yeah. And it does it really well. Another tick in the Blumhouse. Mate. Yeah, it's a it's a Blumhouse one. It Cost five million to make. Yep. Made about sixty across the w- worldwide. It's a winner, like it's financially a winner for yeah. them, because they probably would have spent maybe another five on advertising or whatever. So that's the kind of thing they 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 churn out and they churn out well, and it's obvious that Edgerton's a very good filmmaker. So they'll be, he'll be in bed with him. I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if we see him plop crop, crop up again with something else for them. Yeah, uh, and it's a really good movie. I, I, I urge people to go out and see it. Yeah, it's good, good to hear, because uh, I, I'd, I'd heard it was fairly.
1: Fairly good, but I hadn't come across anyone that had seen it Mm. yet.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. The Pack was an Australian survival movie. that I I, I taped it off um, free to wear one night. I saw that it was on and I just taped it. Uh, It was basically um, a a family in a rural farmhouse who basically get trapped in their home by a pack of wild dogs. Mm. It wasn't too bad. Actually worked out pretty well for an Australian flick. Mate, was made in South Australia. Yeah. The only person I, the only actor I'd seen before was the, the main, the father. I think he'd been on one of the soaps, maybe Home and Away or All Saints or something. And don't he's pretend. On that, don't pretend. He's on those ads for have, um, seen it. RSVP. He's got the real deep voice. <laughs> he's on. He, he, well, he got. He no always the a fair bit in Australia, thing. but. Usually commercials and shit. I think he was in one of the underbellies.
1: Right. Uh, And he... That's basically everyone in the industry. Yeah, everyone (laughs) in the Australian (laughs) industry.
0: But, yeah, I think he was in the later ones like um, Squizzy Squizzy or or one of those. Yeah. It was pretty good. I wouldn't say rush out and see it, but it's a marginal recommend. Mm. It's all right. And the last thing I saw was another doc on Netflix called Trophy Kids. Ah, yes. Which is by Chris Spell, who did um, Bigger, Faster, Stronger. The steroid documentary. Yeah. There's some parents in this documentary who are just fucking assholes. Just it's just horrible to watch some mm. of them. Uh, and and if you're a fucking father or a mother with a kid who's you want to put into sport, watch this documentary first so you don't go down this bloody path. Mm. There's one bloke in particular who's just an absolute asshole. The kid, the, it, it 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 would seem the kid has no interest in the sport, yeah. and he's just being Pushed and pushed and pushed, and I'm talking about five o'clock in the morning up doing drills, then watching two hours of film, then doing Fuck. weights and stuff. He's 15. Yeah. And then the boat is, the guy is treating him like shit, you know, fucking calling him all, everything under the sun. and The guy's are just a terrible human being. Is that a series? No, is it a, just it was, a one off. Well, it's interesting. It initially was a HBO one hour thing. They they started doing their sort of own 30 for 30 type of thing. Yeah. And it was executive produced by Peter Berg, you know, the guy yeah. who did uh, Lone Survivor and all that. And I think this is that just pushed out to an hour, hour 40. Because I remember hearing it when it first got released. It was on TV and on HBO and they had like a, the doco was an hour long and they had a 10-minute discussion panel with him. Peter Berg, the director, and the guy Marinovich, you know, the kid. Yeah, that, yeah. And they were talking about it and, and all that. So it's obvious they've just sort of spread it out into a full-length doco. It's quite, a good, it's quite an interesting watch. It no, probably I- loses a bit of steam. It's probably not really 100 minutes worth, but there's some, just some terrible people. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that, that's everything for me. Excellent. All right.
1: Oh, actually, I-, I had one more. Yeah. I went back to the cinema with the kids. Peanuts. 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 Peanuts was alright. Yeah. Peanuts is alright. I actually think I probably enjoyed it more than the good dinosaur. So yeah. the good dinosaur
0: Out good dinosaur. and the Chipmunks. Alvin and the Chipmunks, Alvin and the Chipmunks Alvin and the Peanuts
1: is trailing. Alvin and the Chipmunks has broken down and pulled off the side of the road, but I think Peanuts might have the Peanuts taken Peanuts might've pipped the good dinosaur.
0: Looks like you're seeing the uh, the full spectrum of kids' movies now. Yes, covered, got them all covered in cinema at the moment. I've also um, jumped online and uh, picked up a few slasher films from Amazon, so we'll, right. be, we'll be back on in. A few of the old faves. I'll just let you watch them first. Don't worry, mate, you'll be, you'll be loving every minute of it. No, you? no, you'll we'll we'll you be covering watch them. On on no. Nah. All right. <laughs> Let's take our first break and then come back and talk about John Carpenter's The Thing. One. You guys gonna listen to Gary? We can beat one of those things! 1982's is the thing directed by john carpenter who directed halloween and big trouble in little china produced by david foster and lawrence turman the screenplay by bill lancaster based on a short story who goes there by john w campbell jr the movie stars kurt russell as macready keith david as childs and wilford brimley as dr blair the budget was a roughly about $15 million, and the box office domestically was about $19 million. Now, just a little bit of trivia. The special effects were done by Rob Bottin, but except for the dog thing where the dogs get replicated, that was actually done by Stan Winston, and it was due to the fact that Bottin had been working so, such long hours that he was basically uh, told to go to the hospital for exhaustion. So he didn't actually wasn't even there for, to do it. What about the... Um
1: the near Jack Thompson casting. What? <laughs> I read somewhere
0: online that Jack Thompson was nearly McCready. Jack Thompson? Yeah. I read something about Clint Eastwood being on a list yeah. for McCready, but I didn't hear
1: Jay Thompson was involved. Well, if, if this <laughs> is to be believed, Jay Thompson was flying out to meet Carpenter one-on-one. Right. So that would have been interesting. Yeah, it would have. <laughs> yeah. would have. And, uh... One uh, Ernie Hudson was being tossed around as
0: child at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the. Um, one so of was oh, my uh, personal favourites. Michael Jordan. God, I can't remember what his name was. Another very well known actor who was who was riding the running for it mm. ahead of Keith David, I think, but uh, in the end pulled out. Can't remember who it was. I have to come back on that. They were quite well known. All right, Jared. General thoughts, man, on the thing. Yeah, big fan. I'm sort of I don't know whether
1: to go four and a half or just sit at a four, but oh, there's something about John Carpenter. I just I like the guy's work a lot, most of it anyway.
0: Me must have been Invisible Man. I was going to say i do not <laughs> rushing
1: back to see vampires time soon. Although I did like it when I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I just he just creates these tones to his movies. He's um. This one in particular, it had just such a such a really nice mix of um little bit of those those scary moments that then just sort of pulled back into this um into this discomfort when you you don't know who's who when you sort of spend the whole movie sort of disorientated and not knowing not knowing who is uh who's legit who's not and then you 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 sort of mix that in with the you know the score that he uses to to heighten the the tone And the tension And the the setting um, It's just a gem I just mm. love it I reckon I'll
0: probably Have to go four and a half I, I'm getting controversial This is a five star film For me This is wow. John Carpenter's Best movie This is better than Halloween For me Yeah Because this is A sure hand I've already told you To stop talking at your This ass, This you <laughs> movie This is where he, To me He gets everything Almost right There's you're right, the tension's there. There's, there's a real unsettling feeling about the whole movie. Like, at no stage, there's not, a, there's not a funny quip or a joke or anything in the entire movie. So the whole thing is very sort of serious and, and dark. Mm. And that works because he's building that tone from the get-go. The moment we meet these people... Um we you know, we, we, we come in with a helicopter chasing a dog being shot at and then everyone's kinda of sitting around going a bit stir crazy. They've obviously been there for a while and the tone is unsettling. Yeah. And he gets it he gets it spot on and then just throwing in that, that gore and those that's for those special effects, which quite frankly, some of the best stuff ever, I reckon. Yeah. And possibly they still hold up. Like, you can't... They do. Even on Blu-ray, you can't... Like, something like Evil Dead, say. You see the seams. You can see all the pretty dodgy effects on Blu-ray because the clean-up and the transfer means that you can see everything much better. The lighting yeah. is better. Yeah, I remember on Friday the 13th, you could see different flash yeah, tones, and, tones and stuff. You can't see it here. You, it's still incredibly well done Yeah. for that type of... That era, I reckon for me, it's probably top of the
1: pile as practical effects go. Yeah, it's it's just phenomenal.
0: Yeah, that's right. Let's get into the likes. I think the music, I think you said it when we were watching it. Is it's 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 not a Carpenter score. It's yeah, Morricone, Morricone, but it has the Carpenter feel. Yeah, yeah, the synth and the sort of gentle sort of pulsing yeah really simple in parts just sort of repeating
1: the same sort of thing like you said that pulsing yeah bit through elements of it um at times it's barely even noticeable yeah but it's doing the job it's sort of heightening that this tension and this this mystery around who's who and yeah it's phenomenal
0: and i think it goes well with the the setting the cold icy setting the music is kind of cold yeah it's 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 not big and bold and over the top. It's, yeah, it's just subtle. Subtle, sort of. just pumping away like that. Um I was I was having a look at it on YouTube and listening to a little bit of the few of the clips and someone in the comments had stated that it sounds like a heartbeat. Yeah. But it's an irregular heartbeat, kind of like an imitated heartbeat. And I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it. You know, that was that's kind of how it sounds, that main main theme. Yeah. I think that it is a major player in making this movie kind of get getting you on edge. Yeah, it's huge and that's why I think even though Carpenter
1: didn't do it himself, why well, I sort of said it just sounds like a Carpenter start to finish. He probably anyways, would have had a hell of a lot to
0: do with it, I think, in it, terms of overseeing. Yeah, it's because it's it's
1: used in a similar fashion to how he how he always sort of uses it. It just yeah. sort of goes hand in hand
0: with with what he's doing on the screen. Getting getting back to what I said earlier about there's an unsettling nature or an unsettling vibe from minute one. The the creature hasn't even turned up, and yet it kind of feels like something's wrong already. Yeah, yeah. Like I actually, nobody's talking. There's not a lot of dialogue when they're sitting around. It's it's kind of like they don't like each other or they don't seem yeah. to trust each other anyway. Or already a bit of cabin fever. And yeah,
1: then, I actually read a really sort of interesting take on it I can't remember who the guy was that broke it down but it went through all the sort of readings of it like that it can be seen as um, a disease like the the alien sort of breaking down your body and things like that or there's readings of it about war and that was the one where it sort of brought that up that tone to it how it's this collection of people that are just they've got nothing common yeah. they don't like each other they don't seem to like each other they don't seem to want to be spending a lot of time together but they're just sort of thrown together in this situation, and they only sort of start, uh, even when they've got the common enemy, there's something that's just sort of keeping them separated. And yeah. It's, yeah, you, you're right. Before anything even sort of turns up, they're just, they don't, no, nobody seems to be enjoying themselves. Yeah, nobody's there's,
0: hanging out. There's a group of guys playing cards, and McCruddy's over there playing Chess Master, and yeah. nobody's really talking. There's not much happening. No. <clears throat> and I think that's an interesting way of looking at it is that's before the thing has even really shown itself. I do like the, the slow-moving camera. It kind of prowls the base in the darkened corridors, and the. again, this is all before the thing has actually shown its... revealed itself. You've got the camera sort of slowly moving through the corridors and, and sort of going past people and following people in a real sort of slow and methodical manner. Yeah, and that again it heightens that tension it has you sort of getting on the edge and you see, okay well what's going to happen now yep. because remember if it's the first time you've seen this you don't actually know what the thing is you've got no idea what it is all yeah. you know is there's a dog that's come in that's it we're on a research station we've gone out we've found this weird looking thing that has been moulded together and it's all sort of dead and you know people have slit their wrists and all that stuff that they find out at the Norwegian base but you still don't know what they're up against no. I've got no idea. And so I like that the camera's sort of just keeping you sort of tied into the fact that something's wrong. Yeah. But we're not. We're going to slow burn. We're going to get to that. It all seems really well planned and really meticulous. Yeah. We talked about special effects and they are just phenomenal. I think that there's, they haven't, haven't really been, to me, there's only one special effect that I think either on par or perhaps slightly better, and that's the werewolf transformation in American Werewolf. Yeah, that's also still holds its holds itself together. But this, there's so much here. Yeah, so many different things. Yeah, so
1: many. Like I, I didn't even realise, but um, the scene where you know the the torso opens up and chomps the arms Uh, off. uh. I didn't even realise, but. When the arms have been chomped off, that's a, it's an amputee. Yeah. And they fucking crafted a mask. Yeah, that's and right. It's so, <laughs> it's so subtle that you don't... I mean, the other effects are taking your attention away that you don't even notice that the guy's face isn't moving.
0: And I, but, I guess the good thing is some props to the editor there. You don't... You, the, the edit there is so well done... That yeah. you don't even really have time to see it. No, you don't even. You're not looking at the guy going, "Fuck, that guy's got a mask on." Yeah, yeah,
1: but knowing that, you know, knowing that everything, everything that you see, everything, is on camera. No, nothing was, you know, touched up or, yeah, nothing was digitally removed or that sort of business. Knowing that it was all just there, it's fucking phenomenal.
0: Yeah, to watch. yeah. you actually had to make it, create it, and then shoot it. But yeah. you couldn't just go right. Gee, that looks pretty rapey. All right. Well, what we'll do is we'll um, we'll remove that bit later.
1: Yeah, it, knowing that whatever was whatever is on screen is what was in front of them. It's just unbelievable.
0: Yeah, it really, really is
1: is and, fantastic. And they were genuinely, you know, they they probably lost um probably lost a little bit of the effect now. Um, but again, that could just be the familiarity of it. But when you first sort of get some of those effects, they were genuinely frightening. Yeah, they were really, you know, some really creepy things. A couple of good jump scares, and and um, I mean, yeah, it's just a, it is a, you can see why it's a landmark in in special effects. I'll
0: tell you a scene that I really found, uh, I really liked. It's very early on, and I'd never noticed it before. The dogs walking through the corridors, mm. and it stops. And starts looking around, and you notice that the, the hallway's here, and you notice there's a door open, and you can see a, a human shadow. shadow. Yeah, and he kind of beckons to the dog, but you don't know who the hell it was or yeah. why. Why they beckoned the dog? Who it is? Like it's a nice little bit of mystery again. Yeah, saying why is that? Wh- who's calling out to the dog? Why is? You know, if it was if we weren't trying to keep mystery, we would have had the person going. You know. Come here, yeah. Yeah. So there's a mystery there, and again, I've never, I'd never actually seen it. I hadn't really looked closely enough at it to see yeah. that bit. And it starts, it
1: really kicks things off into well, who, who the hell can we trust here?
0: Yeah. And yeah. it's just after that when we we get to the, the thing showing itself in the dog cage. Yeah. It that scene is just oh makes my skin crawl. The dog cage. Yeah. Yeah. Still, still it works. Still works. It's very, very oh. It's kind of scary. It's 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 probably the one that's the most scary uh, because it's the first time we see it, and again we didn't know what we were going to get.
1: Yeah, and when it sort of peels back like a like a flower or something, and it's got like
0: dog teeth in yeah, the flower bits, and,
1: that was just
0: yeah, 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 full on. And it starts right. hosing down that dog with whatever. Like yeah, like I said, it's
1: sort of lost the effect in terms of the scares and stuff. It's still got a bit of that factor, but even now, like I was saying before, you just watch it and you think, yeah, how the fuck did they do that? Yeah. You know, how did you do that? How did you create that scene? Like, it's just,
0: yeah, it's mind-blowing, really. <laughs> and I think the other thing that that scene does... He was 22 at the yeah, time as well. I know. 22 years old. Unbelievable. He was working seven days a week Yeah. Um, for like six months. 50, was it, it might have been longer. Yeah, something like that. And then he, he basically was working long hours and yeah and stuff because he had he had like forty people on staff, but yep. still he was obviously doing a hell of a lot of the work, and he was absolutely ratchet by the end of it i think mm. he also he he had he was on a few movies where <laughs> special effects were you know like he created some really good stuff, but there was a lot of behind the scenes problems like Robocop yeah but he created the Robocop suit, and of course Verhoeven and Co came in and fucked it up I, I believe. But, yeah, um, he was, he did a great job. You know the other thing that I think that scene does, the dog bit? It actually tells you that they're up against something extremely dangerous. The stakes are basically raised instantly mm. to an incredibly high level. Like, it's immediate. It's not building slowly. It's going, what the fuck? What, what the hell was that, you know? Yeah. And then it basically has you thinking as an audience member, these guys won't make it out of this. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It starts with that 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 just shock to the system, and then it starts
1: dropping on you the 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 um, idea that the applicants and yeah, the idea that one of them is already yeah one of, is already a thing basically.
0: Because it's one of these th- th- sort of thrillers, I guess that as you say, it starts slow, then it bursts out of the blocks at about the half half an hour mark. We get that incredible scene, but then we come back down. Yeah. And we get back into the tense relationship again. Yeah. And not many movies can do that because there's actually, once you've gone up, you've got to sort of stay, keep the tension heightened.
1: Yeah. If I I, I might I might be a little off in that, but after that, there's really only two effects-heavy scenes. Yeah. Depending on whether you know, depending on whether you count the one outside where they set the bike alight, and he's but yeah. really he's only got the hand. a little bit going on with the hand, but. Um, Aside from that, I think it's only two really yeah, sort of effects. Yeah, the big heavy scene,
0: as you say, with the guy's hand, arms getting cut and off, the spider head, and, yeah, and that's pretty the big scene. Yeah. that's the one that's got all the special effects in it. Um, so aside from that, it does rely on the the who's who, Yeah. Um,
1: the performances are solid. Performances are good, really good performers. We know we know of your love for Kurt Russell. Oh, massive Kurt! Fan. <laughs> Massive um, Kurt
0: fan, but he he's very good. Yeah, he's good. Keith David always good. Wilfred Brimley's the because he's a he's, he's a bit of a loose cannon, and he plays the loose cannon well. Yeah, and I do really like that scene where they go out to see him and they ask him if he's seen that bloke who's missing. Yeah, and he starts going, "I need to come back inside." Yeah, I, I'm okay. I'm not going to hurt anybody. You know, he starts basically pleading to come back inside, and they just close the fucking thing on him yeah. and leave him out there. And I think that that he, he, he sort of flops between being kind of normal to psychotic quite well. Yeah, so he, he drops back, sort of back and forth. He, he goes a little bit quick, but again, I think that's part of the mystery.
1: But that seems really effective because you I then start questioning, is he... Yeah. One of them. Yeah. Then you think, no, he probably wouldn't be doing that if he was. Yeah. But then he, but the way that he's
0: acting, is just a little bit off. Hmm. And you think, well, fuck, is he or isn't he? And then, and then, that, as I said, that scene where he's outside and he's pleading to come back inside, is he now a yeah. replicant? Well, that's the thing. You don't. And know he's now he's asking he's, to come inside because he's 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 not he's changed, but. He's now pleading to come back in because he's actually one of them.
1: Yeah, and I think this is part of the last ability of it. You can uh, – so much of it is ambiguous. And, you know, you've got all these – all these. Uh, you can go onto YouTube and get dozens of videos about people talking about this is what's happening, this is who's changed when, who's – and I think that's part of the rewatchability. In some aspects, I think it's better not to know. it's yeah. it's, it's still a great experience not to know, but then when you've seen it a few times – you can start going back and then bringing your own sort of opinions into that, and I think that's why it's still so much fun to watch. You yeah. can sort of start to test a few of those theories
0: and that sort of thing. So, and the other part about that, Doctor Blair going sort of stir crazy, is it adds that extra layer of he's actually lost his shit because yeah. if he's not if he's human, he's he's lost his mind from being there out there and now having this pressure applied that there's something else. In the compound with them, he's now lost his mind. In yeah. The, in the in the so the cabin fever side of it begins to play into it as well. Yeah. Going in on the
1: sort of cabin fever as well. The scenery and the sets are phenomenal. They yeah. Just look fantastic, and the the setting it in the snow, just a master stroke. It's so sort of bleak. Um. It just reinforces this whole sort of isolation angle. But it's it's not even just the isolation. It's like Sitting in, in the snow and and having this view of just white and yeah. nothing else, basically, it just reinforces this whole thing. And not only are you isolated, but it doesn't matter if you fucking run because there's nothing there. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing there. So you are just trapped here. There's, you know, it, it's um, not only does it look good on screen, but it works from that story yeah, standpoint as well.
0: Exactly. Quick question, though, and I believe you brought this up, Jared. Why so many autopsies of that shit? Because oh. I know about you, mate, but I could do an <laughs> autopsy for an hour and I'd still go, what the fuck is this thing? Yeah, still got exactly. No yeah.
1: Yeah, we've been at it for a while now. We've cut it to pieces. Uh, don't know what it is. Sorry, can't help you. Um, but not only do they do it once, they start cutting up more. Yeah. Like, after you've done it once, I'd be charging in there going, Stop. Don't
0: we don't want to know? Just put it back. Don't touch the thing. Just put it outside. <laughs> put set that it on fire. Fucking block of ice. Yeah, back. leave it there. Okay. Agreed. I think the autopsies probably unnecessary, but I guess maybe not necessary. Not unnecessary, but I guess they play into the fact that they've, they they kind of work out that it does take over your Well, it's just, yeah, it's essential from that yeah. from that Perspective. aspect of it. But it's stupid. Well, I mean, let's face it. Here he is pulling things out. <laughs> I didn't I, you know.
1: Nobody in there seemed to be going, let's leave this the fuck alone. <laughs> leave it. Chuck it outside. I don't know. Just don't bring it in yeah, here. Yeah, don't. don't bring it in here. Jesus. Let's don't bring it, it near me. Yeah, let's dig a large hole and
0: bury it again and just leave it there. What do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, I think that was interesting. There's two scenes later on that probably are the best scenes in the movie the one um, with the guy getting his the doctor getting his arm chopped off and the mm-hmm. head falling off the table and then sprouting legs yeah. and running off yep and the blood tests the blood tests. the blood, is, blood test is great yeah like, yeah because the tensions ratcheted up to full pill yep and you've got no idea which one of them it could be you know one of them's not human yeah but you don't know which one. Not only that too, but they they
1: reinforce it. Like it starts out by them trying to leave McCready outside, and then he forces his way in. So you you kind of heart pounding. Then he shoots a blow.
0: Yeah,
1: okay? and i have forgotten all about this. Yeah, but then they confirm that that guy was not uh, not the thing. He was yeah. he was fine. He was legit, Yeah, and McCready's just shot him dead. So you fucking you
0: are just you're flawed. Yeah, because you're also thinking is is McCready the thing? Yeah, exactly. Is, is he? The one he's holding guns on people and wanting to do the test. Yeah. But is he the one that He's just shot a guy in cold blood and they yeah. cut him loose because they thought he was not human. It's and now you're starting to feel, hang on, he's gonna turn. Yeah, and it
1: highlights the sort of seriousness of it by, by knocking over the bloke that was that was fine. You you just flawed and then they're going through who it was. It's just like it's just a really—it's ingenious. I yeah. mean, the, the concept of it to isolate these blokes and then not know who's who is—is is a great setup for the movie. Mm. Um, but it's so well done, and this is you know a, a prime example of it.
0: It's just a great scene. Exactly. Look, my last like is the ambiguous ending. Yeah. Looking closely at that ending again, and. Possible spoilers if anyone hasn't seen it, but it would seem to be that Keith David has no breath. You can't see his breath. Well, that's the theory that's been going around on the and, on the
1: net. Uh, I believe Carpenter might have said it as well. I think Carpenter actually said it's unintentional. That, yeah. that wasn't intentional. But the thing that I noticed is the whole thing's just blown away, basically, by when the guy runs outside with the with the messed up hand. You see his breath? You see his breath, well, yeah. clearly, all over the place. So I don't, um, I mean, it's a nice little thing, but it seems to be, uh, I remember I brought it up when we were talking about it, that that was the thing going around, but it, it just seems to be another one of these fan theories, theories that, that catches.
0: The other, the other one was um, that the uh, prequel proves that Russell's the, the thing yeah. because Keith David's still got his earring in. Yeah, which I... Which makes no sense. It makes know, sense in the look, context of the prequel, but...
1: People say, you know, I've I read a whole bunch of this. Oh, it's canon because, you know, it's a prequel, so it's canon, and that, that means this. Bullshit. In 1982, John Carpenter wasn't thinking about that fucking 2011 yeah. script. So, to me, that, that, that one carries no weight. Yeah. The other one that I read was the, um, the bottle that they're drinking. Hmm seems to be the same sort of bottles that, that McCready was making Molotov cocktails out of. Now, the problem with that is he looks like he's going to drink it, but then when he hands it to Keith David and Keith David drinks it, the whole theory, again, it's a fan theory, goes he wouldn't know that it's not alcohol because he's a thing, so he doesn't know. Mm. And when he drinks it, McCready laughs as if he's proven to himself he knows it's not real. Yeah. those They're all fun, but I mean... Carpenter hasn't, Carpenter oh. hasn't confirmed or d- denied, so nobody really knows. That's just all. I like the breath one. The breath one was cool, but now you know. Now that we know that it's not.
0: Yeah, and I think I, I think it's better to just stick with ambiguity. Yeah, two guys still alive. Neither of them. We're unsure which yeah, one it's is the. Yeah, I still think child. I still think Childs
1: is, and I think because, you know, he, he disappears. You see him sort of run. You know, why did he? Why did he leave that post? There's no sort of explanation from it, and then he turns up again. Fairly straightforward and simple, but that's what works for me when I watch it. Um, yeah. But you never know. I think Carpenter likes to bring up the comics that came afterwards. Yeah. Which he
0: says they're canon. He
1: says they're canon. Um, I can't remember what it is, but I think they're both still alive. Charles drags McCready to a fucking coastline, and they get on a on a ship. And then I think the, the thing ends up on the ship as well. Right. So, you know, take what you please, really. It's, it's, it's
0: open. It's open it's for interpretation. It's open for
1: interpretation. And I think that's the way it was meant to be. Obviously, Carpenter shot the other ending with McCready being alive. Hmm. Um, but I think that, again, was just for, just in case. Just in case test audiences hated it and, yeah. oh shit, here's your happy ending, you know.
0: Yeah. yeah and dislikes,
1: mate. Dislikes well the autopsies. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, I've only I've only got one. Yeah, and it's just being a dog lover. That sequence involving the dogs is very hard to watch, and I think it's partially because of the whimpering animals. Oh, fuck it's not. It's not actually the. It's not actually up. the, it's only, the it's only a movie. The goal. It's the whimpering of the animals.
1: You've never, you've never fucking come in and said that it's difficult to watch Jason knock people over. You just, oh, no. <laughs> you, I know. Yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot. You dislike people. But, but, but that, <laughs> that's right. I've
0: got no. I've got. I, I like animals. I just don't like people. Yeah. No, that's a minor, minor
1: quibble. Yeah, yeah. Because I have no other dislikes. Yeah, minor. I, I can't really pick on anything in there that I didn't like, other than a few bits and pieces that I thought were amusing. Autopsies was one of them. The other one was uh, uh, Macready ruining the computer. Fuck, mate! You'd want to have a good library or the, the rec room want to be stocked oh. with other games or something because you've just oh, ruined yeah. the
0: you've ruined the computer game. You've ruined Chessmaster, and so you've got to play cards with yeah. these other
1: blokes. It, you know, bringing it into the modern day, it's like you've just bloody. Taking an axe to me PS4 oh, or something You oh. really fucked me over there Yeah, McCready <laughs> you know, Poor old bloody child rolls in thinking I wouldn't oh, mind a game, oh, of, a chess game of chess What
0: the <laughs> fuck happened to <in> this? <laughs> <laughs> Who ruined this?
1: <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, That was uh, a minor one um, The I, really, I had another like actually It was the, the sort of lighting uh, mm. It plays into that sort of setting and scene Like the blue tone to it, and then you know when the fire comes into it, you get those sort of warm, warm tones. It's just awesome to look at. The whole movie is just great mm-hmm. to look at, start to finish. Yeah, I don't think I had a whole lot more to be, to be fucking too worried about. Really, it's nah, just a
0: great. Nah, it's a very, very it's a good great movie. film. Very, very good movie. It still holds up to this day. Yeah, and the effects. I mean, even if you don't like the
1: movie. Uh, I mean the effects are just a, uh, such an accomplishment, yeah. In themselves, that there's there's something there. So yeah, I don't I don't know. It's
0: it's it's in rare air this one. Yeah. You just I don't think they make movies like this anymore. Simple as that. I think that the 2000 level prequel proved that this was impossible to recreate.
1: Yeah. Or it's to not take a cast. it.
0: Yeah. It's not even in the same class. And yet it's had 20 years of technological advances and everything to come to the party with something better. And it just didn't. It didn't get anywhere near it. No. You know? Um, We'll probably touch briefly on the prequel, I think, in our um, discussion. We're actually going to take a break and then come back and do a discussion topic on real versus fake special effects. What we prefer... Uh, And I'm sure that the theme prequel will get a little bit of a run there. So we'll be back in a minute. We thought we'd um, discuss real or practical special effects against CGI, special effects when it comes to films like this. Now, we're, obviously where we come through an era where practical effects were, were big, mm. you know, there was... And in a genre that we, the yeah, that, that we liked exactly relied that we like. heavily on them. There were rock star special effects men. Yes. In the 80s. Yep. You know, um, Tom Savini was probably the first. Then you had guys like Rick Baker and Rob Bottin and, you know, the KMB came up in the late 80s. Stan Winston. Stan Winston. So guys that were, yeah, you know, they were rock stars. They, they were doing stuff that you'd never seen before. The reason why we thought we'd touch on this is because, A, the thing has, this version of the thing has probably the best practical special effects ever. But the prequel to the thing, which came out in 2011, there was a lot of talk at the time when it was being made that they were going to rely on practical effects. Mm. And practical effects were going to be a key player because we're talking about going back to a, a film series that relied heavily on it, and they'd stick in that wheelhouse. Not to ra- not to go fully in depth of a review of that film, but they did not stick to their promise of practical effects. No. Simple, quite simply, most of them were CGI. Yeah. Um, with or practical effects that were then
1: augmented by CGI. Yeah, well, I think that's part of the reason why the discussion, I mean, this this movie and the, the prequel lend themselves so well is because, like you said, the first one is landmark for practical special effects. The second one had a ton of really awesome-looking practical effects that were then shafted like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and covered up with CGI and that sort of stuff. And the end result, the CGI didn't actually look that good, and... Secondly, I think they overdid it. And the good thing I, I mean the, the great thing about it is you can actually go online and there is tons and tons of material on
0: the actual what actually happened yeah. Made, yeah
1: and there's actually you know there's there's videos of, of uh, showing off the effects and and how they looked um, in action. and quite frankly, the fucking the videos with seeing people operate them and stuff like that
0: are quite frankly far more impressive than the cgi effects that ended up there because there was one particular death where the guy splits in half he kind of splits down the middle and separates he kind of flowers up and i believe they did the practical version yeah where they had to have a certain angle to hide the there's a guy or there was yeah. um, mechanical you could effects inside.
1: You could see his face on yeah. the side and
0: everything. But they had, if they, as Which long is as the standard. camera work was, yeah, it was standard. Because there's usually a guy in a, in a suit or there's someone attached to it. Yep. The idea was that they would use the camera at a certain angle, would cut out that, you know, it would basically remove, you wouldn't see the person, and then you'd be fine. Uh, I believe producers or someone got involved. Producers. They and stated, oh, no, no, it looks stupid, it looks stupid. We we have to do it this way, and then essentially yeah, they did they, the CGI couldn't, they couldn't
1: get past the fact that you could see it on yeah. on the side, and the, the this was all in the cracked article that was yeah. written about it. Then I believe they actually shot the CGI
0: version from the from exact the same, same angle. angle.
1: Yeah, the, the special effects guys were trying to tell them that's that's the idea. We know where the shot's coming from, so this doesn't matter, um, and that's standard in in practical effects. But the producers couldn't get past it, and then went and did the CGI. From the same angle, and I believe the CGI, CGI was terrible. The man. CGI in, initially in that scene is just terrible. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, I don't know. What's your personal
0: preference? I prefer um, practical effects. Yeah. My my problem with CGI is uh, at this point in time is it used to be about creating something you could never have seen. Yeah. Right? So, um, for instance, Avatar. There's no way that's a fantasy world. Avatar has a whole fantasy world there. In CGI, that's, gr- that's fine. That's what CGI should be for. It's yeah. creating a fantasy land. The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, same type of thing. Yep. I don't want CGI for fucking backgrounds in a TV show. Like, I was looking at a cracked article the other day. Um, they had a scene from Grey's Anatomy where they're sitting on a, um, they're sitting having dinner a green screen behind them that's, that's being used to give them a backdrop. And that's, that's bullshit. Like, fuck. Isn't part of making film is your production designer's got to find your locations? you got to go out and shoot. Like, there's a lot of... Back in the day, that was how you did things. Now, you just seem to go, go into a studio with a big green box and stand around and... Yeah. The whole movie is shot that way.
1: Yeah, it's pros and cons. Like, I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't dislike CGI at all. I think it's great because, like you said, we can get things that we yeah, never could, we never have, seen could before. have seen And there's effects that, I mean, you look at, like, an Avengers movie or something like that. You can't do that with practical. You no. need a lot of those CGI effects. My preference is for practical with CGI. Like, I think now, looking at some of the stuff they did for that thing, prequel, for example, touched up with a bit of CGI, just looks phenomenal. Yeah. And I don't think you can ever replicate like – this is part of the pros and cons. I don't think you can replicate what what you can actually see.
0: Hmm.
1: Like having something that you can actually see and filming that, to me, is, is still far more mind-blowing. And when you get something like The Thing, like I said, it's like a magic trick. I know hmm. it's not real, but I'm sitting there thinking, how the fuck did you do that? And yeah, whereas – We've
0: lost that. Yeah, whereas now you go, how did we do that? Oh, we gave it to the computer guys. Even though, you know,
1: a lot of times that too is still painstaking and it's an art form, it just takes me out of the the movie a little bit. And again, going on The Thing, I think that's an example of one where it it was overdone. So just because you could see The Thing in all its glory, you just had that thrown at you and it missed all the sort of subtlety and the tension that the first one had. Because you had to pick your spots, you know. i tell you what
0: I think too about CGI versus practicals. I think that as an actor, surely you're getting a better performance from an actor if there is something that they can see. Yeah. Legitimately see it. In the case of the thing, that shit's happening in camera. So yeah. those actors are probably reacting because they're probably actually thinking, fuck, what the hell's that? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, you know, how the hell did they do that? So immediately the response is almost a legitimate one. Mm. When I look at these, you know, green screen things and I think, so, so basically you're looking at a tennis ball, I can't see how you can get a, I, I can see how you can get a shit performance. Yeah. Because the actor's got nothing to work with. He's, yeah, he's working I with nothing. That's definitely it. That's definitely a, um, a factor. And the second factor for me is back in the day a director and a cinematographer had to work to make it happen. So yeah. I can't shoot it from here, so yeah, I've exactly. got to do something else. Yep. Right? And it was troubleshooting made for great cinema.
1: Yeah, well, that's. I think that's... Um, Jaws, classic Jaws case. Is the, the Jaws is the case
0: example. in point. You add that shark, if it worked... And Jaws is nowhere near the movie it became.
1: Yeah, it sort of forces some creativity. It also forces some planning. Even when the shots do work, like we said with that that shot in the thing where you can see it from an angle, you had to plan around that from the get go. So the planning had to you you had to have that scene planned thoroughly. Yeah. So I think that's that's definitely goes in the favor of practical. It's sort of pros and cons because the the the, the pro of CGI in that in that aspect is that it's more flexible you can you can sort of change things on the fly um i read the like an example of of guardians of the galaxy like one of the one of the um creatures in the prison was meant to be a particular color but then you know after they'd shot it and whatever and started putting it together they realized that color wasn't working but so it was just, quite a pr- quick yeah. process just to change to another color um, so I mean, there's the flexibility and and the reshoots and less necessary. Yeah, the, the yeah. Um, yeah, and you, and can, you flexibly, can sort of you just do what you want. Yeah, you can touch things up, but then, as I said, I think I dislike it when it goes too far. And I think of something like the Star Wars prequels. Obviously, Star Wars relies on heavy special effects on in all of them, but the prequels just felt like I wasn't watching a, a, a film. Like I just, I got so removed from anything that was going on because I was just bombarded with all this shit that was going on yeah, yeah. on screen and it's sort of you know kind a, of playing with the
0: technology
1: in a way yeah in a way it's yeah. kind of like The whole thing is, you know, it's it's this whole suspension of disbelief again. And with the practical effect, you you can get a little bit and sort of if it looks good, you can maintain that. CGI is the same. If you use it really well, you can sit there and look at some creature that can't possibly exist. But then you can go in the opposite direction. (laughs) Like if you push it so far and put so much CGI going on, you then lose me again. Yeah. I'm just sitting there going, I guess it was harder
0: to get lost in practical. Yeah, because you knew it was actually it was, you could touch it. Yeah, you didn't kind of get caught out with what you're saying. Is you didn't just get so bombarded with practical effects, you just like, oh Christ, I, I can't, I can't spend another minute watching this. CGI is different because you take. I mean, you know, not to rag on certain movies, but the Avengers, for instance. I mean, over fifty percent of that's probably CGI. Like a hell of a lot of it is is just computers, mm. and it, not, not, that that it. doesn't take away from it being a good movie. It's still a good movie, but it's fifty percent of the work is done in the in on a computer. Yeah, and there is less. So there's so you almost your your, your production is doing less because they're not finding as much costuming and and actual locations because they don't have to. Your special effects guys are kind of out of business. Your practical guys, because they're not really doing anything in that realm. That's, you don't need a practical special effects man usually. So you know you can sort of see why. I mean, a guy like Stan Winston did it the best. He segued into computers mm. at with Jurassic Park. Yeah. So he, he 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 realized that we were on the cusp of changing.
1: Yeah. And he went down then, that road. Jurassic Park is. A combo,
0: yeah, because they the built it a it, full-size animatronic T-Rex.
1: Yeah, and I think um, was it Stan Winston himself or something that said he timed eleven minutes of special effects shots and seven of it was practical,
0: yeah.
1: and four was CGI. Like there was a combo, and I like personally, I think that's where it's at its best. You got yeah. you got a bit of both, but when you go pushing into something like Transformers, which again, this isn't ragging on CGI because that couldn't exist without it. You couldn't have done, or it would have been extremely difficult to do practical effects on a Transformers movie, for example. But it opens up this whole new realm of problems, like keeping you engaged when you sit there looking at this blur of effects where you think, obviously, they just got caught up in this shit, and you see Transformers fucking whirring around and flying through the air and changing, and then you're thinking to yourself, why isn't the fucking ground crumbling under them <laughs> you with know, this massive robot sort yeah. of... Crunches on it and stuff like that. Like it's it's very. It's still a, it's still an art form, and I, I think you know, seeing something like that, um, and and then watching something like the thing shows me why practical still has a place. I think there's some sort of subtlety to it. There's a craft to it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of I, I'm hoping that practical makeup effects makes a bit of a comeback, a bit like what over the last few years with action films, is a practical stunt work. Started to make a comeback, hmm. Like they actually started doing things practically because well, something like Mad Max, for yeah. example, sets that into into overdrive again because it looks so great. Yeah, and 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 it proves that practical stunt work, when done well, can be just absolutely awesome. Like you know, you and and that, that stuff's not a magic trick. That's actually legitimate. Yeah. So I'm hoping that maybe practical effects comes back in a similar way. With regards to the thing prequel, I just feel they got ahead of themselves. They, they really didn't understand what made the original so good.
1: Well, isn't there the quote from the director that said when we looked at it, it looked a bit too much like an 80s movie? It, I'm thinking, well, what's wrong with that? Because yeah. the, the 80s movie that, that you were copying just ended up looking far better than what you, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. ended up with. Like, I thought, I, I don't know, I thought that showed a bit of short-sightedness. Yeah, yeah. For starters, there's a core audience that's going to see this because of that 80s movie. And I don't know, in the in the wash-up, nobody outside that
0: seemed to go and see it because it didn't make a lot of money. And the thing is, I think you're also talking about generationally. Like yeah. filmmakers of a different generation. These, these guys have been weaned on CGI from day dot. Yeah. Um, they never worked with practical effects. Yeah. So they don't know anything about it. As far as the prequel went, um, just to sort of give my two cents worth on it, Specifically, Um, I I think they wasted a a, a pretty decent cast. I actually actually like Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Mm. Joel Edgerton. I think they're very good actors and I think they kind of got stranded with nothing. And honestly, there was no need for a prequel. Yeah. There was no need because basically what you're doing is you're trying to join the dots to a movie that was made 25 years ago. Yeah. Look, I'm always happy to to see those things. But the problem
1: for me was it was basically a remake. Yeah, it was
0: it essentially the same movie. Wasn't it was essentially
1: it? the same thing, you know, same things happening, same, similar story beats, things like that. But that's that's what I couldn't understand. You made this comment about how it looked too much like an eighties movie, but then in the movie you seem to have done everything you could otherwise to copy that eighties movie. But the end result was just it was just bland and forgettable, you know, it's a real I'm it's more, just a pale imitation. I'm yeah.
0: more comfortable with going down the comic route. Mm. Expand the universe in the comics, yeah. Because well, the comics give you flexibility to go in multitude of directions that yeah. cost limit that cost nothing. You know, like yeah, it doesn't cost you a hundred million dollars to to produce a comic book. Yeah, and I've, you can take it anywhere you like. Yeah, I'm, I've always been a big fan of that. Probably because
1: you know I read comics for starters, mm. but. Um, the hook that sort of really got me into them was obviously I liked something like Batman, but the thing that sort of kicked it into Overdrive was when I could start getting access to to other properties that I was familiar with already. And to this day, you know, I'll pick up the, the sort of Evil Dead comics, that, you know, rebooting of something like Voltron. Like yeah. That's what I read. So when I've had the opportunity to pick up comics of like Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th. You've always picked them always up because it's up. just a
0: different... Medium yeah,
1: to and give us another story, and I think it's a great sort of testing ground, even if you wanted to test something there and then move it onto a you know we've got a script for a, for a Halloween or something, let's throw it out there you know I'm all for the ones that you didn't use, put them out there because yeah. it's just it's good to see them it's a great medium it's a very similar medium, but yeah you're hundred percent right if you if you're not sort of i mean i think there's a there's a fair section of people that have read those thing comics. The one that follows directly on from the movie, who would have much rather see something like that than the actual people the yeah, that was exactly, produced? You know, exactly. a good quality story, and yeah, it's always fun to see those sort of things. And, and sometimes you feel like, uh, even when the, even when they don't turn out so well, that they might have had a little bit more of sort of a, a, a purpose to be out there for the fans rather than just to cash yeah. in for a few dollars. yeah.
0: Look, I think as far as the thing prequel went, is it was not how ha- it wasn't hamstrung by the original. It was twenty five years later. Um, yeah. The original was never a box office hit, never. No, it has guaranteed. It has grown over the years into something more, into a cult sort of thing. But you weren't hamstrung by it, so you could have done whatever you wanted. You could have. Taken it in different directions You could have scrapped the prequel idea and gone for a sequel Yeah You could have come up with anything And nobody would have minded The problem is you, you then, you made a carbon copy And everyone who saw the original just went This is just a shitty version of that Yeah So you were on a high, you, you were basically up against it Yeah From minute dot So I think they made an error there As far as the CGI versus practical I'll take practical any day if, yeah. if you're going to give me practical, I'll take it. And I'll, I'll live with practical being a little bit stilted. Yeah, but that's the thing. In this day and age, it doesn't have to be
1: because you've got the CGI to Yeah, you to can just it
0: rough out, just just smooth yeah. out the...
1: Which is why, you know, I'm, I'm all for the practical with the CGI. I totally understand that CGI is the only option for some things and I'm happy to go with that. I'm fine for it. But for these, uh, I mean, if you're going to make a horror movie... Please don't give me CGI blood spatter, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That, sort of do you practical for those sort of ones? That's stuff. that's what I like to see. Um, and I think it's so ingrained in, in the horror sort of genre, for starters, that if, if you're going down this sort of horror horror route, the thing I would classify, even though it's very sort of sci-fi, there's, there's a horror element to it, for these particular movies, definitely, definitely practical for me.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, that will cover our um, discussion and coverage of The Thing from 1982. <laughs> if people want to get in touch with us, contact us via our email address at thrillme at au. Like us on Facebook under Thrill Me Podcast Australia or on podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com. What are we covering next week, Jared? Because I'm kind of excited. About next week <laughs> Really excited <laughs> Very excited I can't wait I'm, I'm, I'm hiring that thing tomorrow I'm I watching. believe
1: we're hiring We're watching a bit of Swazay uh, A bit of
0: Swazay Yes
1: <laughs> R.I.P Yeah yep. uh, Roadhouse uh-huh. Can't wait Gibbo's going to be back Gibbo's going to be back This is his biggest <laughs> his selection he's, he's not his... happy about our last few selections Yeah <laughs> he's, he's absolutely chomping at the bit After you know Making his own selection He's ready to rock and roll so, yeah, that There's ought be... Is a
0: Swayze be. Sam Elliott? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh, can't wait. This ought to be good. It's all about bouncers? Yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. All right. Well, until then, keep listening to the podcast, take it easy, and we'll catch you then. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrillme all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.